One of Staten Island's most beloved sweet shops, Alfonso's Bakery, is officially on the market, with uncertainty surrounding whether the decades-old community staple will continue operating as a bakery once a sale is finalized. Well, you know, it is a, a name, a recognizable name. It took them over 45 years to establish the brand, mm -hmm. so there is a great value in that. All the recipes are all down to a science. Everything is all measured out. But yeah. It's always interesting to see what a new owner does with a business, because everybody wants to put their own signature on something. Right, so yeah. you you have to hope that the name stays the same or the recipes stay the same or, you know, that somebody who takes it over in the next go around is not going to, like, completely riff on that rainbow donut that you so beautifully described. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance food editor, Pamela Silvestri, to discuss one of the borough's most storied family food businesses being put on the market. Thanks for joining me today, Pam. Always a pleasure having you on the podcast, because as you know, and especially from our last discussion on here, there's few things that I like discussing more than the food here on Staten Island, so I'm happy to have you back on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And so I wanted to talk to you about a story that is, you know, somewhat near and dear to my heart because I actually live right around the corner from Alfonso. So it's been there my entire life. As I said in the in the open, really kind of a staple of the community, the big corner store on right on Victory at Westcott. And so when we found out that they were being sold, you know, it really came as a shock to me because it wasn't something that I had been expecting considering that they had been operating and they're always so busy, it seems, out there. So I was curious, you know, before we really start to dig into things, how we found out even that, that this business was up for sale. There were rumblings. It's a small island on Sunday in the Daily News. It was uh, it was very evident that uh, it was listed and, and then it was public knowledge that the owner wasn't feeling well. And I spoke with Anthony on Sunday and he had basically said that being home on some downtime made him think a lot about selling the business and and that's what happened. For the listeners who might be unfamiliar with it, live in different parts of the island, frequent different bakeries, just kind of the history of this place. Because as I said, it's been around for a long time. It's a family business that's been passed down through generations and all this kind of stuff. So can you kind of just walk us through the history of Alfonso's? Oh, sure. Alfonso's has been at 1899 Victory Boulevard since 1978. The business actually was started by the dad, Alfonso Campitiello, in 1970. He was from Salerno, Italy. He came to Brooklyn, worked bakeries around Brooklyn, really learned the craft. And then he became the executive pastry chef at the Plaza Hotel. And from that, learned about, you know, Franco-American cooking and um, rather pastry. And then he went on to the Essex house and then he started his own business. And uh, long live Alfonso's. Yeah. And so this is something that, unfortunately, I, I believe that the original owner, Alfonso, had passed away a few years back, right? That's something that we have covered. And so at that point, it was then what passed down to his son. Is that right? The sons, yes, had an interest in it. Basically, the ultimate, you know, the owner is Anthony. Anthony is one of the sons. The family also owns a bakery in Eltingville, which is not for sale. And that's on Amboy Road. That's owned by another brother. And they did have a place in Red Bank, New Jersey, which closed during the pandemic. Oh, okay. And so can you tell us a little bit about why Alfonso's has been so popular throughout the years, what they're best known for, things like that? Well, there are a few bakeries that still do bread, and Alfonso's does beautiful bread. And that's been a pretty consistent thing in the bakery, but their cannoli are probably what they're most well known for. And 
That bakery is a very complex one because they make so many items every single day. I mean, it's yeah. always a full inventory. The food always looks so beautiful and fresh. And to hold things like custard, it's actually a little bit of an art, you know, in terms of the chemistry of it all and, and just making sure there's safe food handling. So they do a pretty remarkable job considering the breadth of product that they put out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's some place that anytime I walk in, I'm really amazed by the display case and not only the day to day items that you always see in there, but then they always do such a great job with the seasonal or the holiday items. I know is something that always stands out to me. I went there recently, was going to a Halloween party and stopped in and got some cupcakes and chocolate covered pretzels and all these things. And they're all decorated in their little Halloween themes. We've gone there for 4th of July stuff and they've got rainbow cookie cakes that are red, white, and blue instead of your usual green, yellow, and red or whatever it might be, whatever you want. I call those colors. So I'm always impressed by the display there. And just like you said, the breadth of what they have available. And I also just think it's interesting too, like you say, usually when we have you on, we're talking about restaurants and food in the more traditional meal sense and not really about baking. And baking is something that I think is such a kind of a fine art. I've been watching the British baking show a little bit recently. And so I watch it. I'm really impressed by what these people do. You do one little thing wrong and the whole thing is ruined. And so I'm amazed by the bakeries on Staten Island who are able to produce so much on a daily basis and it's all just comes out delicious. And so I think that that's something that people sometimes maybe underappreciate is that baking is, it's part of cooking, but it's really its own art in many ways, right? Oh yeah. It's definitely certainly one of the most laborious Mm -hmm. uh, businesses. You know, I, I was just actually speaking with Biagio Setapani, who was the owner of Bruno's Bakery in Dongan Hills, which they moved the operation to Freehold, New Jersey. And Biagio was talking about getting up at four in the morning and the routine of these 10 to 14 hour days. And now it's the holidays. So that means that everything is just wow. that much more amped up. So it's, it's a hard life. It's certainly not easy. I, I remember Andrew and Alan's bakery years ago, you know, they'd closed down for a portion of the summer and it was like, that was their siesta. It was the yeah. reward for the entire year of getting up these ungodly hours and, and working straight through. Yeah, no, that's another part of it that I hadn't even really considered is that you're out there so early in the day because these bakeries, a lot of them open at 6, 7 a.m. So you can only imagine when people are getting in there to, to get the product ready, really. And so I think of it's in some ways similar to when you have those really busy bagel shops, right? On Staten Island, it's the same kind of thing. You've got people there at 2, 3, 4 in the morning putting this together so that you can enjoy your, your food. And so it really is just a very complex business. And I don't blame someone for maybe a little bit of burnout at some point or just realizing like, okay, maybe I'm at a, a stage in my life where I want to move on to to something else or, or whatever it might be. And so you mentioned the the bread there, which I think is interesting. And you're right, not as many of the bakeries are really focused on that as they're focused on sweets at some point. And you mentioned the cannolis, which are incredible. But I was just wondering if you had like a favorite item from there that you've, you know, had throughout the years or that you always go back for if there's something that really stands out to you. I love their cheesecakes. Really? I think they do a marvelous job with cheesecake. They're always so perfect looking and the texture of it is just very, very lovely and I love that about that. And then you can taste the crust and everything about it is just wonderful. The cannoli are pretty exquisite. They do wonderful donuts and things like that. I was just going to bring up mine is the rainbow cookie donut oh, that yes. they introduced maybe like five years ago or something. I remember when it was first came out and it was this whole big thing. And I went with my friends to go try it out because it looked so cool. And it's so good. I just got one a few weeks ago, actually. So that's definitely my go-to when I go there. They're very big and rich and decadent and it takes me probably two or three sittings to eat one but it's just so delicious and that that's the thing that I always kind of my go-to there 
And so you talked about this a little bit earlier on, but I wanted to ask about the, again, the decision to sell. Why now? And, you know, the other businesses in the family, it seems like those are going to remain open. So why at this location is now kind of the time for them? Well, anybody who's looking at health concerns, you know, I mean, the the main thing is quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would imagine that would be the drive to just move on, understandably. So you have two different entities that are for sale. There's the 1899 Victory Boulevard, which is the bakery business itself and all the recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's offered for a little over $2 million by Sam and Realty and Christine DeHart. And then you have, for another just over $2 million, the real estate. And that's those are two separate transactions. And the real estate includes 1899 to 1903 Victory Boulevard. So mm-hmm. there's a property behind the bakery which is a two-family house with a garage. And then mm-hmm. there's also Mambo's restaurant, not the restaurants for sale, but the the building itself that it's in. Gotcha. Oh, so that's interesting. I'm not super familiar with real estate sales or particularly in terms of businesses and, and business sales. Is that typical in terms of pricing? Is that feel like a lot? Does it feel like a little? I'm just not really sure what the market looks like these days for those types of businesses. Interesting. Well, you know, it is a a name, a recognizable name. It took them over 45 years to establish the brand. Mm -hmm. So there is a great value in that. All the recipes are all down to a science. Everything is all measured out. And I'm sure that they would stay on and, and show exactly what to do. I'm saying this out of experience from selling my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, we stayed on, you know, a little bit, over a little bit of time to ensure that the new owners knew what they were doing and and had if they had any questions or anything came up that that would be a nice proper transition. But yeah. It's always interesting to see what a new owner does with a business because everybody wants to put their own signature on something. Right. So yeah. you you have to hope that the name stays the same or the recipes stay the same or, you know, that somebody who takes it over in the next go around is not going to like completely riff on that rainbow donut that you so beautifully described, mm-hmm. you know. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. We talked about this a little bit off air before we got started here, but the fact that when I read your article and I saw that you know the sale of the business would come with the recipes... I was kind of assuming that their preference would be to sell to someone who would maintain the bakery at that location. But we're not really sure that that's going to be the case, right? Because like you said to me earlier, once someone buys a property, I mean, they can kind of do whatever they want with it. So have we got any feel in terms of if this is likely to stay a bakery, if it could change to something else, if it could be a bakery, but they change the name? Do we have any kind of indication so far of what that might look like? Uh, none whatsoever. But if you look at history on Staten Island and the way things go with restaurants like Nunzio's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's now a cabinet factory. You had yeah. something that was decades old and and you would think that uh, Bob Whitaker's place would be turned into another pizzeria, but the next owners really didn't care. It was a piece of property, basically, in the, in the cabinet showroom. And then you have other places like Schaefer's Tavern, which became Victory State Bank, and then eventually Northfield. But, you know, in that corner that has been a tavern for so long and it's so charming, right? You would think that that never would disappear, but the next owners of the property had other intentions. 
Those are two great examples, especially Schaefer's, because it's right down the block. In this case, with the the storefront in front of Alfonso's is really so beautiful, right? Too, they it's always so well maintained, and they have the bushes and the flowers and the the little um, the clock that they have standing up out front. And and like I said, I've lived around the corner from there my whole life, so it's become part of Victory Boulevard in that place, part of Castleton Corners, part of that neighborhood. And so, to me, it would really be heartbreaking in many ways to see it changed into something else, seeing something like Schaefer's turn into a bang. You know, if this were to kind of go along that same path, I think that myself and, and the community at large would be probably pretty disappointed with that. So I'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed that someone is going to come in and try and maintain it as a bakery and stick to the, the character of the bakery, the recipes and all of that kind of stuff. That's the ideal scenario. If I had the $2 million, maybe I could just do it. But uh, I don't think that I could afford that right now. So I'm hoping that someone with like-minded ideas will come in there. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, too, how bakeries on Staten Island are kind of a big deal, right? We have so many different bakeries and everyone is so loyal to whatever bakery it is that is their favorite that they're always going to. And so I was curious what that's like, right? The amount of local competition, especially in Alfonso's case, just generally speaking, how are bakeries able to stay so popular and profitable given the high number of options that are out there? Well, everybody has their niche. And if you look in your neighborhood around Alfonso's, you can see the Sweet Life Bakery, for instance, mm -hmm. which is right across from the hardware store. Everything is so beautifully appointed, and, mm -hmm. and it's a little charming place to go and have a cup of coffee with your pastry. You also have Cake Chef, which is on Jewett, and Cake Chef has the German recipes, and, mm -hmm. and uh, they do a beautiful job with occasion cakes and things like that. So completely different style than Alfonso's, but they have their own niche. And then also, you know, they have their apple horseshoes and things like that, the meltaways seasonally. But if you look at the trend on Staten Island of what's happening, it's not so much the local baker that is really being celebrated. It, it's like a franchises have come in. Oh, so interesting. You, so you see Crumble Cookie, for mm -hmm. instance. They opened up at the South Shore Commons lines out the door, you know, they're open six days a week, Sundays they're closed, and, and there's a different set of cookies every single week. It's it's always exciting. They bake everything from scratch right on Staten Island, but it's a concept that's not from here, you know, right. and wildly popular. And then also you have Paris Baguette, which opened up in Tyson's Park right near Stop and Shop. They have quite a variety of, a lot of stuff made from puff pastry and whatnot, but it's so affordable, and they, you know, it's a Korean-born thing. That idea, that franchise, is is of the neighborhood bakery, but this incredible assortment of savory and sweet mm -hmm. uh, baked goods that you go and you, you know, help yourself and everything. I was just there a couple of weeks ago, and it was you could not get a seat in the place. It was the line was wow. at the door. Yeah, so those concepts are already heavily marketed, beautiful on Instagram. You know, so that's what the neighborhood baker is really competing with. And then also, the concepts of Asian food concepts have come to Staten Island also with that. There's mm -hmm. baked culture, which is down in the Empire Outlets by the ferry. And then we also have a, like a vast number of Mexican bakeries. We're, we're bakeries, I should say, that sort of incorporate Italian, French, and Mexican baking mm -hmm. altogether. You see that obviously on the North Shore right? with places like at Licks Co., which is in Tompkinsville, and also Golden Pastry Shop reopened. They also have a blend of different cultures in that one place. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even really considered the larger franchise baked goods and sweets coming in and posing that competition to these local businesses. And I think of even when the Krispy Kreme opened here, right? And like the crowds that we saw out there. and Exactly. I mean, like so things like that. See, for me, that's never really been my 
preference, right? Like if I'm looking for a baked good or sweets or those sorts of things, I'm usually going to those local, but probably because I grew up around the corner from Alfonso's and Cake Chef. So I guess I was a little spoiled in that part. Even when I'm out in the other boroughs or something, a lot of people are obsessed with insomnia cookies, right? Like that's a popular chain that the line's always out the door and all, all this kind of stuff that never really appealed to me in the way that a local bakery did. But again, that could be in part due to my upbringing and where I was at the time. But that that's interesting to think about. I'm sure that's something that people in all sorts of food businesses deal with. You have restaurants who are dealing with fast food chains or larger chain restaurants and that kind of stuff. So that's always been my take on it. But of course, there are people who like the convenience and the cost effectiveness of those types of locations. And so it, it, it is difficult, I imagine, for restaurant and for bakery owners in that way. And so that that's something I, it's funny you mentioned that because it's something I always think of with restaurants, but I hadn't really thought about for bakeries. Before we go, we have the holidays coming up. And so everybody's getting together with their families and making these delicious meals. And while we're on the topic of, of bakeries, I think Desserts are a lot of people's favorite parts of the holiday meals. And so I wanted to ask you just a little bit about what your go-tos are for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas in terms of desserts or any kind of winter holidays coming up. You see people tend to go with traditional pumpkin pies and things like that. Christmas, I feel like it could be a free-for-all in some ways. And so I was curious, you know, as our food expert here, what your go-tos are for the holidays and, and some of the best places on Staten Island to get them. I do love Renato's for Napoleon. Bono Bakery does a really great job with anything chocolate. and they're, mm-hmm. they're, They have sort of a knack for that. Also, not just sweets, but Maloney Brothers. You know, mm-hmm. people often forget that they're, they're out there on Hooker Place with the fresh bread and everything else and rolls and things like that. That's always a beautiful thing. And again, it's finding bakeries that make bread that are sort of a rarity these days. Mm-hmm. Annadale Bakery does a great job with cookies and um, always gets into the spirit of the holidays like Alfonso's, right? You know, you mm-hmm. always know what season it is by walking in there. Belly Bocce Bakery, Mountain Tottenville, really nice job with a lot of different things, uh, seasonal cakes and things like that. If we want to get specific piece of cake, I'm thinking uh, mm-hmm. like they do just really lovely job with cookies. And I, I don't know, I, I actually am getting hungry just actually having this conversation. <laughs> but uh, and Holterman's, Holterman's is such a charming little bakery and old Staten Island. And, and those recipes just don't change. The Charlotte Russe and things like that are kind of classics there. Also, there's Cafe Campan is actually mm-hmm. a place to get, I get a lot of questions about uh, Trace Leches cakes. I love Trace Leches. <laughs> and Cafe Campan is uh, actually in New Dorp and also on Port Richmond Avenue. Mm-hmm. They actually are in the old uh, oven bake bake shop. Oh, okay. Yeah. They are known for their, I mean, years ago, oven bake was known for doing the cake for the Godfather. Oh, so, really? I had no idea. Yeah. Well, actually, while we the, Alfonso's was was I, I can't believe that I missed this in our in our rundown, but Alfonso's also has a pop culture reference, right? And so, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, because that's a perfect way of memorializing the bakery. So, if God forbid something does happen to it in its next lifetime, as it's sold, we can always remember it as Scangilli House or whatever it was in Easy Money, right, with Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield. Which is just the most hilarious Staten Island movie, I think. I just remember in, in that one scene looking down at somebody's backyard on Staten Island and it's this little postage stamp with hundreds of people basically jammed into yeah. the backyard for the wedding. And, you know, all the other yards open around it. But 
Yeah, no, and for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about or hasn't seen it, I would recommend going on our site. Uh, you have some of the photos in your article, but I know, I think our colleague Tom Robleski also did a separate just on like photos that we had taken in the 80s, you know, our photographers at the time taking photos of them while they're filming the movie. And so you see them walking out with the big cake right onto Victory Boulevard. And it, it, it's really cool to kind of see the way things have been have changed throughout the years and also kind of stayed the same in many ways. And so that, that was a good one that I definitely wanted to touch on before we go. But thank you so much for joining me, Pam. I am always just super impressed by your knowledge of our local food scene, like the way that you're able to just rattle off all of these different things. I can throw any kind of question at you and I feel like you're always going to have an answer. And all of our reporters are very good at what they do. They know their beats very well, but you are in tune with the Staten Island food community in a way that I don't know anyone else is. So I really appreciate you coming on a chat with me again. Thank you very much. And I will never be a size two just because there's just a lot to eat on Staten Island. <laughs> so. I'll be with you there. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.